All right. If you would like to take notes, there is a page for you in your packet. It's the page right after your grace group questions. So just turn to that next page. And uh, if you really, really want to take notes and you like following along with the slides, I have printed off the slides for you. They're back over there by that fan. They look like this. And if you're joining us online, these are also available on uh, my website. So you're welcome to get up at any time and grab those if you prefer to take notes on those as well. <laughs> it's great to see the online group. I love all of you who are joining us online. And I have a special place in my heart for my Aunt Lena, who joins us from Washington. It's so wonderful, wonderful to see her there with us. So um, as we begin tonight... Um, Beginning this new Bible study, it's a great opportunity for us to understand um, how, how to actually study the Bible and um, why it's important to do it and what to avoid while we're studying the Bible. Um, again, the notes page in your packet is on page 17, or if you want, you can get those over there. Um, so we want to kind of answer that question so that we start off on a really great footing together as we go through um, so to begin with, um, why do we even study the Bible? That's a picture of my Bible open to Genesis from the previous year, ready to go. And uh, there's several reasons why, but I, I hope that as you're thinking through this tonight, you can kind of hear my heart about what we do and why we do it, and that we're not just Christians, but we have a, of a mission. So I'm going to kind of walk you through a little bit of that tonight. Um, first of all is our identity, Right. When you said yes to Jesus, when you decided to follow Jesus Christ, wherever you were in that season of your life, however much you understood about that yes moment, you gained a new identity. You gained a new name tag. Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm a Christian. Whatever that looked like to you, however that resonated in your mind and in your heart, but you became a new person, the Bible says, a new creation. Right? You received the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And in the same way that you wouldn't join a, a group, you wouldn't even sign up your kids for school, you wouldn't join anything without understanding what that group was about, when you became a Christian, in a sense, it's like joining that group. And you want to know what it's about. And all groups have some kind of a handbook. How many of you are familiar with back-to-school night with your kids? <laughs> Did you get a back-to-school night handbook? Books. Books, <laughs> right? Maybe if you have many kids or just a really eager teacher, lots of information there. When you got all that, though, it helped you understand who she was, where she was coming from, what his curriculum was going to be like, what his expectations were for the kids, right? Well, being in Bible study is giving you a new group along with your new identity. And so studying the Bible is a part of understanding that. And so as we go into the Bible, maybe that helps you to think about that. Why am I even doing Bible study? Because there will be a day, sometime during this year, you will ask that question in a different tone of voice. Why am I even doing Bible study? <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I'm so whatever. Then go back to this, and that will help you to remember. Next is connection. You've already made connections with each other tonight. What a beautiful thing. We were made for connection. That's why when everything got locked down, there was so much depression and sadness and anxiety because we were made to be isolated like that. We were made for connection. And so we have that here. But you weren't just made for a lateral connection shoulder to shoulder. Ultimately, you were made for the greatest connection vertically with your creator because he's the one who gave you that identity. And so connecting in Bible study is a way for you to make that connection with him. 
So again, when you ask that question, why do I do Bible study? Or later on, why am I doing Bible study? <laughs> it's for connection, and you can remind yourself of that as well. Next, and this is what's something we all would love to have more, wisdom, right? Maybe when you answered that question with your group and the download of the a new skill that you could have, you picked piano or speaking a new language or being a really great artist. But I bet if you went back and thought about it, wouldn't you love just to be downloaded with wisdom? So every situation you faced in life, you had the knowledge and understanding of how to face that. Well, God's word has promised that he would give us wisdom. And we can go to him and we can say, I need to understand, and I need to know what to do with that understanding. So Bible study gives you the place where you can go and find that wisdom. And what's exciting is you're not just going to be handed a book of the Bible and say, good luck, go off and read. You have a community now. You have connection where you're going to be able to open it and read it. Because how many of you have ever tried to open the Bible before and just thought, uh, I got nothing. I don't understand that at all, <laughs> right? Well, you're going to have that community. You have the Holy Spirit. That's your identity inside of you. And you're going to have wisdom because the Holy Spirit will provide that for you as we go through this study together. The next two kind of go together because it's what we want and also kind of ties back to wisdom as well. Because in life, in the real practical living of your life, you need wisdom for how to engage with your husband. You need wisdom on how to engage better with your co-workers with your children, with your grandchildren, with your mother, with your father, with all the connections that you have in life. You need wisdom on how to do that well and how to do that better. And all the conflicts that are in your heart right now as you go back through your mind and you think of your family and your work and your friends and everything that's happening, you need wisdom in your life in a really practical way. And Bible study will lead you to that. You have practical answers in your life. How many of you have already found that to be true in your own life? That you go to God's word and you go, okay, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. And with that comes hope, right? We, we get hope as a result of that. Because without that, when we don't have that wisdom, we don't have the answers, when we're still wondering how this is all going to work out, you do feel hopeless. Has anyone ever felt hopeless before? Have you ever moved in on a relationship with home or at work where you just thought, this, this is never going to fix? And you end up feeling hopeless, right? When we get into the word and we identify with our identity, who we actually are in Christ, when we make those connections with each other side by side and vertically with the Father, right? We have access to that wisdom gives us the practical answers for life and ultimately hope. Amen? Amen. So, because of Bible study, we have a heritage and there are people in your life that influence why you're here tonight. It might be someone actually in this room, but it might be someone further back in your past, the heritage that you come from. And the picture you're seeing here on the screen is of my dad. That's my dad. And he's playing his, his old guitar back in the day. It was actually, that was a photo actually taken at Grandma and Grandpa's house um, where his sister, Aunt Lena, <laughs> was. And um, that's part of my heritage, my dad. Because my dad was the one who actually inspired this exact Bible study, the Dwelling Richly Bible study. In fact, the day that this photo was taken, he and I were working on a song together based on Colossians 3.16. Um, that is the words of the Dwelling Richly Bible study. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly. And here he is playing it, and uh, I ended up teaching it to a bunch of my students, and we recorded an album later after that. But that's the heritage that I have, a father and a mother, an aunt, a grandma, and a grandpa that loved God and loved his word. And I bring that in to you tonight. And you are also bringing your heritage in. And when you answered that question earlier this evening about if how you grew up, how would it influence your, um, th your thought if you have to unlearn maybe things or you're thankful for it, how many of you had a variety of responses in your group? You have people all over the place on that. That's part of your heritage, whether it benefited you or it's a challenge to you, it's part of your heritage. But what a blessing that we can come together and have that. One of the passions that my dad had that I carry with me to this day is that we would be women, him, a man, of, of the word. And he would always say, and I can remember it as if it was yesterday, he would always say, test everything against scripture. Uh, I grew up uh, for part of our time together growing up in a parsonage, a little church um, and a house behind that church. And we'd get up in the morning on Sunday and we could just walk across through our backyard over to the church. And I remember to this day, my dad standing in that pulpit teaching and saying these words, test everything against scripture, because he wanted to make sure that it was God that we looked to not him. He, he was just teaching us God's word, and he wanted us to understand that. And, and that's how we are here in this word, in this room. Everything that we say in your, our small groups, everything that I speak and teach from this space, it has to be tested against scripture, right? So that's why your Bible study leaders have been trained and are really encouraged to almost like fight for that, to protect that, that our conversations, the things that we say in our group are really aligned tightly with scripture, because if we don't do that, we're going to miss everything about why study the Bible on that previous slide. In addition to that, my dad taught us that scripture is the best interpreter of scripture. So the Old Testament interprets the new, and the new interprets the old. I learned that from a young age, so that my first source wouldn't be to go to him or to go to a commentary or a, another teacher or preacher, but it would be to go to the Bible, which can feel a little overwhelming when you feel like, I don't even know how to read the Bible. What if I don't understand it? Anyone ever felt like that before? Because we say these things, but then do we really feel equipped to do it? Shouldn't we leave that to the professionals, right? I might hurt someone if I go in too deep on that, right? Ladies, I want us to erase that mindset, and I want you to start trusting the Holy Spirit. If you have said yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, right? You have access to that wisdom, right? So we need to move past that thinking of, I'm not going to understand this well enough, right? I don't know it as good as so-and-so fill in the blank with any, anybody's name. You have the Holy Spirit. Trust him. Start where you're at and let him help you grow. And keep letting scripture interpret scripture. It'll really improve your focus. And then we have expectation. We ask for and we expect that wisdom, right? I go to God. Because he has promised me in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, let him go to God and, and he'll give generously to all without finding fault. In other words, he doesn't just say, well, I don't know, you kind of blew it the last time I gave you wisdom. Look what you made a mess of your life on this time. Do you really deserve it? There is no way that God in heaven, when you come back to him asking for wisdom, is going to turn you away. He wants you to have that wisdom. And he's not just going to piecemeal it out to you one drop at a time. He gives what? Generously to all without finding fault. 
without finding fault. So ask for it and have expectations for that wisdom. Our foundational scripture for all of the Bible studies then that we do is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Kind of an abbreviation of that. You can read the whole thing later on your own. But let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So we have to remember as we go into the word then, it's something that maybe we need to unlearn a bit. And that's that the Bible is not about discovering ourselves, but it's about discovering who? God, right? First, we have to then ask, what can this teach me about God? Oftentimes, though, when we open up our Bible, we are in a place of longing and we need that wisdom now. And so we're looking for an answer to our problem right now, of what we're dealing with right now. It's kind of like when you're physically out of energy and you're tired and you're reaching for a snack and you're well beyond the snicker bar stage, right? And you got the hangries going on. You need that sustenance now. You want it to be maybe in your veins. So we have a tendency to forget that, oh, I, I needed to back that up a bit. And we do the same thing in Bible study. We need to back it up and make sure we're going there first for God. Because if you get from God who he is, everything else will line up. So we need to avoid the trap of treating the Bible like a Xanax. We need to avoid the problem of going to the Bible like it's going to fix us in that moment. Does the Bible provide hope? Of course it does. Is the Bible going to be a source for answers to you? Absolutely. But please humble yourself and come into the Bible and say, God, no matter what else is going on in my train wreck of a life in this moment, in this day, I'm going to come to you. I want to know you. You're going to reveal yourself to me as who you are. And then everything falls in line after that. Right? Have that as your mindset as you begin in your Bible studies. So... Our foundational scripture then helps us to identify who we are, and this is the core of the women in our Bible study, what we're going to act like and how we're going to treat each other as well. We are women who enthusiastically and intentionally dwell in the word and let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Do you catch those words? Enthusiastically, even on days where you're like, oh boy, I don't know if I can get all this done. And intentionally, because you set aside the time, dwell in the word, not the Bible study, the word. Bible study is a supplement to that. We're in the word. And then we let the word of Christ dwell. So when you find yourself lost, bored, tired, confused, you can go back to this and say, huh, did I approach it from this point of view? Enthusiastically and intentionally letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly. So let's practice that right now and say, we, who we are, we are women who enthusiastically and intentionally, let me get to my next slide, and say it in the affirmative, I am. So say that with me, ready? I, I am, am a woman, woman who enthusiastically and intentionally dwells in the word. I let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. And maybe that's your prayer. Maybe that is where you begin when you talk to God about getting into your Bible study. So what do we do then together? We, that's who our identity is. That's who we are, right? That's what God's given us. That's our goal and objective. What is it going to look like then? And who are we? What are we going to do 
with each other, shoulder to shoulder. Well, we are going to point each other toward God for wisdom and hope. So when someone comes to you and has a prayer request, a problem, and they're sharing and they need your advice or they just want to vent, whatever it is, the very first thing you're going to do is ask them, have you brought this to the Father? Tell me about your prayer life. Because <laughs> that's where the first conversation should take place. We are going to cultivate that here. Now, outside these walls, everyone's in a different stage, but I'm, we're going to teach toward that. We're going to have expectations about that. Your Bible study group leaders are going to expect that. You look across the table right now to someone in the eye <laughs> and say that. We are going to point one another toward God, right, for wisdom and for hope. So we're going to ask that question. How's your prayer life? Have you talked to God about this? Have you been with him on your knees? We're going to support each other. Of course we are in life's challenges and blessings after we appointed each other to God. Because you need his wisdom when you're talking to your friend. And she needs to know that you have been at his feet as well. Right? So we're going to be those types of women. We're also going to share our strength as well as our weakness. And maybe even in your small group time tonight, you were able to come together and you heard from someone to share about what they're looking for, what they're interested in, what their background is, and you started keying in to what the dynamic of your group is like, right? And in that, of course, there's going to be strengths and there's going to be weaknesses. There's going to be different types of personalities engaging together. So we're going to share that. And sometimes we resist that because we really would rather everyone just know our strength. And so we feel like we have a weakness, we're nervous to be honest and share that. And so the, the I don't know or I'm not sure is hard uh, because we don't want to look dumb, right? So we're going to erase that because that's not a reality. We're all just learning and trying our best, right? In addition to that, we're going to provide encouragement, fun, and friendship. And that grows all out of God's word. No matter what we do, we encourage, we have fun together, we laugh, and we let it all grow out of God's word. All right, what are our expectations? Well, this is really, really important right off the bat. We expect Bible-based studies and teaching. No fluff. <laughs> none, of, none of the stuff that's about how I feel. You're never going to hear me ask a question like read a verse and then say, this verse means to me. I don't care how that verse means to you. That is not important at all. What does it mean to God? That's the question. What did God mean? We're never going to ask and talk to each other that way. We expect Bible-based studies, Bible-based teaching. And so there might come a time where you're going to have to realize, whoa, I've been talking like that. I say things like that, like, this verse means to me, blah, 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 whenever. Like, who cares? Stop saying that. <laughs> don't say that. Relearn. It's okay to learn something new. You've been saying it probably for a long time. We all get in that habit, right? So as I read this, right, I noticed God is true in this way. As I read this passage, this is what I see is true about God. Not this verse means to me, right? So we expect Bible-based teaching and, um, and studies, so everything is focused on what the Word of God is, not on our emotions and how we feel. Um, we also have faith-building study, not worldly solutions and motivational quotes. I love a good motivational quote. I love me some TED Talks. Those are all great as well. That is not what this group is about. We are going to quote God's word to each other. You can't do that if you're not in it, memorizing it, bathed in it, letting it dwell in you so you ooze. When my son was about six years old, maybe seven, we, um, we, we decided to take a bowling party for his class 
So we invited all of his friends over and all of our buddies and we went to the bowling alley and that was where his big birthday party was gonna be that year, bowling alley. So you know how bowling alleys are and all your group, you're the two lanes and they're kind of all together and everyone's just like mingling around. And if you have kids, maybe you're in that party room first and then you go out to the lanes. How many of you have done that before with your kids, right? Okay. So the night before we're doing this, the night before we're doing this, uh, my husband um, ate not just a little bit of garlic, but the entire jar of pickled garlic, an entire jar of pickled garlic. He, I mean, I love pickles and I love garlic. I don't know about pickled garlic, but he loves it. And he didn't, I'm not talking about a little jar. I'm talking about like those, um, those gift store style jars oh, that you buy God. at the road stop sometimes. He ate the entire thing the night before at this party. So I didn't really notice it while it was happening until we got to the bowling alley and I'm sitting next to him and I'm like, where is that smell? And it's literally, I'm not kidding you ladies, it is oozing from him. It is, it is coming out of his pores. I, I would never have imagined that could actually happen. I thought it would be like a cartoon, maybe that would happen in a cartoon where you, Tom and Jerry and you see the fumes coming off of them or something. And that was my husband. Ladies, when we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we have eaten a jar of his word and it's going to ooze out of us and no one will be offended like they were about uh, that garlic. So, we love our motivational quotes. We love our, all the other things, but we, we got to let the word of God ooze out of us. All right, so we also expect to have fun in God's word. Um, we, his word is what brings us true joy, isn't it? That's where we find actual, true, lasting joy. So we have fun when we're dwelling in his word. If you're not having fun, call your, your group leader and say, this, I'm having fun, what's wrong, I don't know, and she'll talk to you, and you go play, and you have, make it fun. I try to make the Bible study fun as I'm writing it for you, because uh, I want you to experience that. We're also gonna learn a ton, so you can put those two together. Have fun, learn a ton. Have fun, learn a ton. Because um, we're ready to learn. You have the expectation. That's what Bible study is about. And then, this is a weird one to add, but it, you're going to get stuck. I think it's important to just say that up front. It's okay to get stuck. No one ever started a new job, got onboarded with your HR department or whatever, and then didn't have some glitch that happened later where you felt, you, I didn't understand this, and maybe you even did it wrong. And then HR had to come in, or your boss, or your friend, or whatever. Don't oh, do it that way. Do it this way. How many of you ever had that experience? We had to redo something because you didn't quite get it right. Why do we then expect somehow we're going to open God's word? It's all just going to tumble out of us beautifully, right? No, we we're going to get stuck. I find that to be exciting. I really do because I think it's in the stuck where you can go to God and say, "All right, God, I guess it's just about you," because it is. And the only way you get past that is when you just turn it back over to him and you're going to learn so much more. How many of you are better at explaining something to your kids or your friend because you struggled really hard to learn it yourself? Yes. Anyone? Yes. So the same thing's going to happen and we're going to be okay if we get stuck. And so when you come to your groups and you didn't quite get to finish or you didn't answer that question because you got stuck, yay you, <laughs> you're here. It's okay to be stuck. We don't always understand Meet God there because he wants to meet you there as well. So we're going to grow from who we are um, today to who we can become, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Did you remember that? Empowered by the what? Holy Spirit. Yeah, and maybe a little coffee as well. <laughs> All right. So as you go... We're going to read and take notes in a good Bible, and I'm sure you all have a good Bible in front of you. If you don't, we can, we can talk about that, and I can help you. Uh, this is a, a, the Bible that I use. It's a, I like it because it's an ESV um, wide margin. I got plenty of space 
to write notes around. And I like that it has the center column here for the little cross-references that go back and forth. It's just scripture. There's no commentary, no study notes in it to distract me. And then as I go and I start studying, I'm, I'm filling up my pages here. And I'm learning and I'm sharing. And eventually my goal is to have this Bible completely filled. <laughs> with, all, with all notes, and then I'll start a new Bible and, and move on from there. So I encourage you to get a good Bible and um, avoid a, an app. You can use them. They're great. I use apps all the time. I use it on my phone and on my computer. But when you're in Bible study, get an actual physical Bible and have fun uh, writing in it and using that. And then also study from a translation, not a paraphrase, a translation and not a paraphrase. So here's some trusty translations. For this Bible study, you'll see quoted inside the lesson, the New English Translation. This is my ESV, completely different, but for the, these are all good translations. So if you want to know which one I'm quoting from inside the Bible study, it's the New English, and I can give you some tips on where to get that. And then you can also consider any of these other... <laughs> Bible translations as well. So the New American Standard, who grew up with that one? I did, actually. I remember memorized a lot of my verses from New American. And then the New International, um, the Christian Standard Bible, formerly known as Holman. They just dropped his name. And HCSB, so now it's just Christian Standard. English Standard, the New Living Translation, and the Common English Bible. So any of these are, are trustworthy. And you might be asking, wait a minute. You're missing a really good one. Where's the King James, right? Where are my King James people? Yeah? Like, especially the old school with the these and the thous. So I like the King James as well, or the new King James, both really good. Uh, this is just the list that I happen to prefer. I think that these and the thous are beautiful, but it can be a little challenging to go through. Um, so other tools and resources that you want. Um, there is a series that the Net Bible did called the Abide and it is a, they have a journal for you. In fact, in the picture on the very front page where I said that was my Bible study from Genesis, that's an actual picture of the, their Genesis journal. So it's just blank pages that moves you through all of Corinthians, and in this case, all of Corinthians. So um, you can go on Amazon or Christian um, bookstore and get that. Uh, if you've been in Dwelling Richly Bible study before, then you know that I love my Pentel 8. And uh, that's a picture of it there on the screen. And you can use colored pencils to mark on there. Um, also online resources, I highly recommend the Bible Project. Follow them on their app or on YouTube. Listen to the First Corinthians video um, about um, fr from the Bible um, Project people. They do a great job of giving you an overview. Of course, the Dwelling Richly studies are available for you. You can listen to the messages. You can go back to any other previous study and go on through those as well. Bible Gateway is a great online Bible resource. They have all the different translations and they allow you to open up five at a time. You can see them all parallel and compare really good translations there. And then a Bible Hub, that's another really great resource. They have really good maps there. So when we start doing some map work later, go to Bible Hub. They have, they have good stairs, good stuff there, Bible Hub. All right, and then this is a process. So trust the process. Talk to yourself the way you would talk to your best friend or a kid, right? And they aren't going to all get it in, a, in, in a one moment. You have to go through the process. You do too. And sometimes we're really gracious with everybody else but ourselves, right? So trust the process because it takes time, and you know that because you've said that to other people. So say it to yourself too. 
It takes time. It's okay. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Give yourself that grace to learn and have expectations that you will learn and you will engage with the scriptures. Don't just read. Actually uh, engage with the scriptures. So I want you to know two things as we move forward with this. The first is that you have an advocate. Yes, that's important. And the second is you have an enemy. <laughs> and that right there kind of splits everything in the whole world, right? First of all, you have an advocate. Jesus is actually praying for you. Did you know that? He prays. He intercedes for you, right? He is there before the Father, interceding on your behalf, on my behalf, on our behalf, right? So know that and be mindful of that as you're going into your Bible study. Jesus, thank you for going ahead of me. You knew I would be in this moment right now on this day with everything that I have going on in my life. I trust you and I thank you for being my advocate today. Give me the wisdom I need. I love you. And there's your prayer. There's your, your conversation with God. In addition to that, you have an enemy. Now, here's what's interesting about your enemy. Your enemy does not read your mind. Satan isn't omniscient. He's not all-powerful. He's none of the qualities of God. But he does have a plan to thwart your efforts to get into the Bible. All right? And so this is, again, when we go back to connections where you can reach out to your Bible study group leader. You can reach out to one another. You can talk to the Father about it and say, man, our enemy is just not letting up. I'm struggling here. Right? And acknowledge that. There is no ever, not one time that Jesus is going to whisper in your ear, don't go to Bible study tonight. No way he's going to say that. You're too tired. You didn't even do your study anyway. You shouldn't go. There's no way Jesus is whispering that in your ear. And it's going to be hard some days to push through that because you're going to think, maybe it is the Lord's spirit. I've got to have some me time. <laughs> That's Jesus just letting me have my me time. No. You already isolated your me time, and that's it being here in front of us. You've committed that for the year. So when Jesus speaks into your ear, he's going to say, I love you. You got this. Go be blessed and be a blessing. <laughs> right? Satan's the one who's going to whisper in your ear. You need some me time. Go get your nails done. Go to bed early. Sit down. Relax. All right. Here we go. You're going to pray. You're going to pray with your grace group. You're going to pray for your grace group. You're going to pray for me. I need it. You're going to pray for the woman sitting across from you. We're going to have a spirit of prayer. We're going to get armored up. We're going to tell God that we want his blessing. Right? And you're going to study and you're going to schedule that time to your study. You're going to think and you're going to get into the word. And that's going to be covered in prayer. And God is always going to answer that kind of a prayer with, no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> no, God's going to always answer that prayer with absolutely yes. People ask me all the time, what's God's will? How do I know? Can I tell you right now? I can just tell you right now what God's will is. To get into his word. <laughs> to know him. To fellowship. Right? So go to him and pray. And bring that to him. And let him bless your time. Because when you're here, you're going to bless somebody else with your story and what you've learned. And they're going to bless you as well. So pray. Pray for me. Pray for everyone. Be a part of that. Next is partner. And all these are going to start with the letter P if you want to follow along in that way. You're going to partner. You're going to connect with somebody in your group. We call this a little study buddy. You're going to have encouragement. You're going to have accountability. Don't go home tonight without somebody else's phone number. 
friend them on Facebook, find them on Instagram, whatever you need to do. Be a part of this group together and connect. And I'll tell you one thing that maybe it's just me, but when I'm not doing well, I isolate. I pull back and I find all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't da 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 da, da forward. And I need those people in my life who, who move in and say, no, 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 come on, let's go. <laughs> You're in a funk, yes. let's go. That's not true about you. That's not what Jesus said. There's no way Jesus whispered that in your ear, <laughs> right? Get that person and you be that person. Have that accountability, be that partnering. Send those texts, make the calls and meet up with your study buddy. Encourage each other. That's what we have off before as well. We have times together that we can just connect in that way. The next P is plan. Make an appointment for yourself <laughs> to be in the Bible. I promise you, you never just showed up at your dentist unless it was a massive, crazy emergency. You made an appointment to get your hair done. You made an appointment to get your toes done. Make an appointment to do your Bible study. Set aside the time right now, right? You see a need, you make the time, right? Make sure that it all happens. So make sure that you're making that plan and plan now how you're going to spend this time in Bible study because it's not just going to happen magically. You're going to go home excited, I hope, tonight. And you're going to want to get started. And then I'll tell you right now, it's the same thing about how when you have kids and they get a bunch of new toys and you say, okay, out with the old. We're going to donate these because we got to make room for the new ones, right? That's a good thing to do with your children. The same thing happens with your schedule. You only have 24 hours in a day. You're not going to go home tonight with 25. <laughs> or 24 plus 20 minutes as it doesn't take a full hour but you need to make that a time then you need to say okay when am I going to do that and maybe I'm going to do that with a buddy and I'm going to study um, with a buddy it's not just going to happen next is a priority you're going to make that priority of doing the Bible because we make the things that we value a priority in our life right you probably brushed your teeth today I would imagine at some point <laughs> or this week because you value them, you don't want them to fall out of your head, so you make it a priority. The same thing goes, if you, what you're spending your time with and who you're spending your time with is your priority. So if it's not in the Word, that means the Word's not your priority. So adjust that. Make that time. Um, be thoughtful when you do your priorities. Have anticipation that you, of what it's going to look like. Picture yourself there. Find a special spot that it's going to be, that's where I'm going to go when I have my Bible study. And have a mindset of expectation. I expect this to be all the things, right? <laughs> to be stuck, to have fun, to learn, to grow, to connect with other people. We have that expectation. Two things I want us to understand as we go in through the Bible study, because these are going to be important to help you avoid big mistakes and to make sure you're on the right path to getting things clear. And the first one is called eisegesis, and the next one's going to be exegesis. First is eisegesis. And that's probably a word that's unfamiliar to many of you. It's, um, it's from the Greek. And it literally means to lead into. And eisegeting is what people can tend to do with God's word when they're coming at it to look, what can I get from myself? Because what you've done is you packed up your bags and you brought them into the home of the Bible, let's say, and you made camp with your own bags and your own ideas, right? If you just walked into my home with all your things and set them down and brought everything into my home, it would be like, what, why are you here? <laughs> We'd have some fun, but we don't generally do that to each other, right? Just show up unannounced. Well, eisegeting is, is what you lead into the work because you're bringing yourself and what you need, right? So when we do eisegeting, we are reading into and leading into, and it's very self-focused. We have to avoid that trap. 
And you might catch yourself later on this year, oh my goodness, I think I'm just trying to find a fix for my life and use this verse. I'll tell you when you'll notice it the most, when verses don't make sense. When you're reading it, you're like, I have no idea what that means. It's probably because you brought a bunch of your presuppositions of what you thought it should mean into the word, and you weren't asking basic question like, who was this originally written to? Who was it written by? What, what uh, century was this even written in? What was going on, right? Because you led 21st century American woman and all of your life and your baggage into the word. Instead, we need to have a mindset of exegesis. And exegesis literally means to draw out of or to lead out of X, like exit, like that exit sign out there. That's where you exit out. Because what we do in that is we read out of the Bible. We, it leads us out with what was there, right? And it's God-focused instead of being self-focused. And you'll understand that better because when you go into the word, your first question is going to be, what does it say about God? How am I understanding who God is? When we eisegete, we say, help me. What does it say to me? When we exegete, we have humility and we are leading out. What does this say about who God is? And then we bring that out to them. So um, eisegeting can be tricky because we all have a denominational background. Some of us are non-denominational. Some of us grew up Catholic, uh, Presbyterian, Baptist. We have a variety of different. So you learned a lot from the Bible from wherever you grew up. And you will have a tendency, for good or bad, to bring that into the Bible study. So be careful and test everything against scripture. Make sure what you're doing is really Bible-based. Um, you're also going to have your personality with you. Of course you are. Your tendency, if you're more of an Eeyore or more of a, a Tigger personality, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on who you are, you're going to bring that into the Bible as well. And then you're going to bring your personal preference. This is how I would rather have the Bible say, I believe this, and I would really prefer that's how the world worked. So you tend to bring that into the Bible. Be careful on that. Exegesis is completely different because we, we listen, and we listen by praying and we wait. Right? We don't just expect to bring our ideas in. We listen. All right? We also look. We look by observing. What is it actually saying here? Or am I just seeing what I've always expected to see in this passage? And then we, this is the part we also love so much, we live. This is our apply and share. This is the part that we want because now that I've got what it actually said, then I can bring it out and live with it. Remember, very important, God's word was not written to you. But thank God it was written for you. When we read 1 Corinthians, it wasn't written to you. You didn't live in 52 AD, right? A certain church going through a certain issue that Paul addressed. That's who it was written to. But thank God it was written, and we can benefit, and we can learn, and we can know God better. We can better learn how to engage with each other as well. So let's practice eisegeting versus exegeting. And I'm going to give you a popular verse that I'm sure many of you have already heard before. It's from Philippians chapter 4. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right? So if I'm eisegeting that verse, if I go to that Bible verse, some of the common things that you'll see on someone who's maybe not grasping it, and like I said, eisegeting the verse, um, is it's going to be on your T-shirt. It's going to be on your bumper sticker. It's going to be a magnet on your refrigerator. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Lord, have mercy. If you're wearing it right now, I did not know that ahead of time. But... <laughs> 
what happens is we find these quick quotables and we turn the Bible into basically a collection of motivational quotes. Because if anyone can say this from any religion, then maybe there's something wrong with it. You don't have to be a Christian to eisegete. Think of any other religion. A Buddhist could say this because they believe in slash about Jesus. Hindus, Muslims, Jews. Do they have a personal saving understanding of who Jesus Christ really is? Then no. But would this work for them? Of course, because it's a nice thing to say. I can do all things through that amazing guy, his good teaching, the prophet Jesus. Anyone could say that. That's eisegeting. When we remove it from the Bible, when we just claim it as our own motivational quote, let's think about what that would look like if we were exegeting. If we're exegeting, then we ask, who wrote these words? Who were they written to? And what was the context? Not just the verses above and below it, but the entire letter that it was written in. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and you'll see verse 13. And I'm reading out of my ESV Bible here. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Him referring to Christ. Philippians 4.13. But let's back it up and think about what Paul, he's the author, was actually saying in the context of this whole passage. He said, and this is so important, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Oh, they they weren't concerned before, but they've revived it. That's really good. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Well, that's another good quotable. We should add that to this one. I've learned to be content. Okay, Buddhist. Verse 12. <laughs> I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. Honestly, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I'd like to face plenty. Let's quote that verse too. And hunger. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't want that. I also don't want the, the low part. I, I just would rather have the content and abund and plenty. But then he says hunger, abundance, and need. And that's when he says, I can do all things. What things can he do? Have abundance and be in, in want and not have enough. Be brought low and be high. I can do all those things. Here's the challenge when we eisegete. Every single basketball player at a Christian school around the nation this year is going to be eisegeting that scripture and claiming it for their own as they pray that we win this game. I can do all things, win this tournament, the Christ who strengthens me. Here's the deal, ladies. It needs to be true about God, and we need to draw the truth about who God is out of that. Does Christ give us strength? Does he? He does. But here's where that strength comes from. He defeated sin and death. It's resurrection power that he's talking about. That's where we get our strength. Because I'll tell you what, listen. If that gospel, if that I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me, cannot be preached in Ethiopia to starving children who haven't had a meal in two weeks, then it can't be preached here in that same way. What are you going to do? Take that little verse, hand it to him on a t-shirt, and say, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me? No. But when we pull the Bible out of context and we eisegete like that, it empties it of its power. 
It's Christ who strengthens you because what? He defeated sin and death. We have resurrection power in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of Christ dwelling in us. And when we just say, I can do all things like that, it, it's, it's vapid. It's empty. It echoes with emptiness. That's why we have to treat the word with the love and the respect and the joy and the integrity that it deserves and not eisegete our way through, but exegete. And you'll learn. You'll get better at it. And you'll start to identify, whoa, I've been doing that. You know, what does this verse mean to me? Those types of phrases. You know, you'll, you'll start catching yourself more and more on that. All right. So we ask the question, how does understanding God in this way imp- impact my view of myself? Right? I understand God. It impacts my view of myself. Right? Then we say, how do I live? How do I move forward from there? How does this look like in my daily life with my kids, with my husband, with my friends, with my coworkers? How then shall I live? And we have this beautiful joy because we're doing it well in God's word. Our Bible study, what you're going to be going through in this Bible study is designed with exactly that in mind. You're going to get one lesson every two weeks. There's going to be 10 days, and this is day one in your lessons. You have nine more days with the next two weeks to do something in your Bible study, right? Day one is for connecting and growing, right? That's what you're doing right now. You're learning, you're connecting, you're growing. Days two through nine, you're going to read and read and engage. And day 10 is an opportunity for you to do something creative with what you've just been reading. You're going to draw a picture, you're going to write a song, you can go on a walk. I'll be leading you through a variety of different ways to get out of just looking at paper all day and to move and to think and to breathe and to create and to share it with other people as well. So, um, clicking through. Okay. So as we move through our, the, our word, we're going to make sure we're praying. That our focus is under, asking God for understanding and that others would understand his word as well. Don't forget to pray for each other. This, whenever you're struggling, I guarantee you there's another woman in the Bible study struggling. Pray for her during that time as well. Next, we're going to memorize and meditate. And every single Bible study is in this exact order outlined. The first thing you do every day is pray. The next thing you do is memorize and meditate. It's the same thing the kids are doing down the hall. They're going to memorize a certain verse of the Bible, and you're going to be doing the exact same one throughout the study with them as well. Next, you're going to write. You're going to write the verse each day of your lesson, and we're going to have our write the word section beginning in lesson two, where at the end of this Bible study, you will have handwritten all of First and Second Corinthians. What? We took a break. We didn't do that in Genesis. So Genesis was your very first dwelling richly study. Every other study before that, we wrote the entire book. And at the end, you're going to have, I'm going to organize your days for you. So you're going to do one portion at a time, and you are going to hand write all of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It's quite an accomplishment. You'll have a bound at the end and a special journal where you'll be able to keep that. So you'll write that, and that doesn't begin in this lesson, so you'll get write the word pages that will start in lesson um, two coming up. Then there will be an opportunity for your questions. You're going to think, right? Uh, you're going to get stuck. <laughs> All right? You won't always feel like you have the right answer, but that's okay. You're going to do your best and just think and move through that and let God's word dwell in you. Next, you're going to reflect. I'll share some of my thoughts, but very little. I try to make this Bible study about you and God's word. And every now and then, I'll give you some reflection thoughts from me. And then finally, create and share. Create and share is the final day of every lesson. It's the same day, day 10. And it's where you take what you've learned and bring it together and do something unique with it and get it out there and share it with other people if you, if you can as well. That's how this Bible study is organized. 
That's how we dwell in the word. That is a great methodology. It's a way for you to move through the Bible and how to study the Bible together. I hope you're excited and encouraged. There's one other feature to the Bible, and we'll begin that more in earnest next time, and that's called a Q&R. And after our teaching time, I'll open it up for some questions. So as you're going through your Bible study this time, if you have a question, you're like, I don't even know what that means. This is confusing. Write it down, because I want to be able to answer those questions, and we can play Stump the Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you the group leaders, if you ask them questions, Save it for Jennifer. I love it. Engage with us. Let us know. Um, we will try to be dismissing around 8 o'clock when we come to Bible study, and then those who want to stay for Q&R can stay for a little bit later after that. But right now, we're going to close, and we have a song that we're going to be singing. I gave you a hymnal, and it's also on a piece of paper. Some of you grew up with hymnals. Who's in that group? Yay! Then there's notes to read and everything. So I looked, found, found these hymnals at church. And so go ahead and grab it. It's on page 16, I believe, uh, of your journal. And we will close tonight, and we'll close a few other of our times together uh, by singing this song together. How many of you have heard this song before, The Love of God? Oh, good. All right. Well, would you stand with me? And if you've never heard it, you can just listen, and we'll sing it together as best as we can. Powerful words that tie in so beautifully to our theme of love and light. Think about these words as we're singing or just stop and listen as others are, are singing them together. It goes like this. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell, the guilty pair, bowed down with care, God gave his son to win. His erring child, he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Verse 3, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. God, we thank you right now for your great love that does endure beyond everything 
on everyone is your love. We come before you tonight with expectation for understanding you better, knowing that love even better as you move through your great word. Bless these women now as we head on home for the evening. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Good night, ladies. Have a great hey, evening. Can I give